Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast with Kevin Harrington and Seth Green. Kevin Harrington is the inventor of the infomercial, one of the original sharks from the hit TV show Shark Tank, and has generated over $5 billion in TV and digital direct response sales. Seth Green is the world's first trusted authority on cutting-edge direct response marketing, a best-selling author, and the only three-time Marketer of the Year nominee. On the podcast, Kevin and Seth interview sharkpreneurs who share straight talk on what it takes to explode your business. Why do so many businesses struggle while others seem to explode overnight? Do you wish you had the secret to this type of exponential growth? Now, I've scaled more than 20 businesses to over $100 million, and it's not just luck. In my new book with Mark Tim, Mentor to Millions, you'll learn the repeatable framework I use in all my business ventures for massive success. Order at KevinMentor.com and get over $1,000 in bonuses. Head to KevinMentor.com. Welcome to the podcast. This is your host, Seth Green. Today, I've got the good fortune to be interviewing attorney Chase Welt of ChaseWeltLaw.com. Chase, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. All right. So let's go back in time a little bit. What inspired you to become an attorney? Um, I used to like to read John Grisham novels when I was a little kid. Uh, I know as silly as that sounds, but I thought it was cool. And, uh, you know, my skill set seemed to be in life more about uh, reading and writing and things of that nature. So it just seemed to be a a good fit across the board and um, went to law school and I've been here. For a long time. <laughs> All right. So I'm sure there's a longer version uh, that we could dive into, but let's keep going. So what areas of law do you practice? Uh, my main focus is estate planning and probate and personal injury. Okay. So what does estate planning and probate mean to you? I imagine uh, different people have different interpretations of that. How would you define it? Good question. Um, I view estate planning and probate as two separate sides of the coin, right? So estate planning is the things you do while you're alive. And uh, most people think of things like wills or trusts to leave to when somebody passes away. But also on the front end, too, there's things like power of attorney to deal with. What if you get sick? What if you get hurt? Who can make decisions for you if you can't make decisions for you? Uh, That's estate planning. That's how I I, I view that. And then probate is just the opposite side. When somebody passes away, it's a court-driven proceeding to transfer assets from from an individual that's passed away to, to their loved ones or whatever their will says they're favorite charity, some to their their loved one, some to a charity, whatever it is, that's what probate accomplishes. And obviously we hope that the two areas of practice don't intertwine and overlap and you don't have personal injury people who are now deceased. 
Um, but let's, what are some of the biggest mistakes that people make when it comes to thinking about, you know, estate planning and probate type topics? Um, the couple things that I see regularly are people think they can do it themselves. They go print something out online and they sign the bottom of it and they think that that's good. Very rarely is that good. Sometimes there's issues about how they witnessed it, how they execute it. Was it self-proving or not self-proving? Uh, how long do we have to talk here? There's, <laughs> there's a large number of mistakes I see uh, people doing on that. Or they just flat out, don't, they don't do it. They say, well, estate planning is only for, for elderly people or for people that have a, you know, a, a significant condition like cancer or something like that. Well, unfortunately, people pass away all the time. You know, car accidents happen. There's that rare, you know, medical condition that you didn't know about that gives you the heart attack and the shot. It just happens, unfortunately. And if you don't take care of it ahead of time while you're healthy, the consequences can be significant. Absolutely. Why do you think people don't do it? Why do you think that people put it off or ignore it? Uh, well, some people, every once in a while, I meet some people that are superstitious. They say, if I do my estate planning, I'll pass away. I've done my estate planning. I am still here talking to you on planet Earth. And 99.9% uh, .9 of my clients are that way too. Um, and then I, I think some people are just lazy. They just don't get around to it. They don't understand it. Everybody has so many things they got to do each day. They got to go to work. They got to make sure their house isn't burning down. They got to make sure the kids get to school. Heaven forbid they do something for themselves. So there's just a lot of things to do in the day. And unfortunately, I don't think that people make it a priority when they should. I think you're absolutely right. What are some of the estate planning things that you're helping them with talk we talked about why they don't do it what happens when you do it right good question good question um there's there's really five to six things that i think everybody should have i mean there's the will everybody knows what a will is if i pass away my assets go to my spouse my kids my my, my cousin my favorite charity whatever it is and, and who's in charge of that the, in florida we call it a personal representative other states call it executor it's basically the same thing, just tomato, tomato, right? So that a, a healthcare power of attorney to handle what happens if you're incapacitated, who can make medical decisions for you? A living will or health surrogate that deals with, you know, the uh, if you're incapacitated and you're only alive because you're on the machines and you're never going to get better, how do you, do you want to stay on that like that forever? Or do you want to, you know, have them, for lack of a better term, pull the plug and, and for you to pass on what, whatever your belief system is or whatever, you know, the other side, you know, entails for you. Um, and then the durable power of attorney, that deals with everything non-medical. I feel like, you know, again, if you're in that accident, you have that medical situation, who can make the decisions for you, pay the mortgage on the house, file for insurance, all those, you know, mundane tasks you do every day. Somebody's got to do it. Um, and then there's, for some people, the, the uh, living trust or revocable trust, those terms are used interchangeably. They're, they're basically the same thing. But that can be a tool to help plan for avoiding, um, probate. If you have minor or younger uh, beneficiaries, maybe you can stretch their payments out over time or in a way that might be more advantageous for them. You know, I always get the, the parents that say, well, my son's 18. If I die tomorrow, he'll get everything. I'm like, well, if you got life insurance and a, a good amount of assets, that's a lot of money for an 18 year old. What are they going to do? Buy seven cars or something silly like that? Well, well, there's things that we can do where the money's available to them, but it's not in their hand where they can just go, you know, buy silly stuff. If that makes sense. It makes total sense. Um, when we talk about avoiding probate, why do we want to, well, let's not assume anything. Why do we want to avoid probate in the first place? Why are we trying to get around that? 
Okay, and I'm going to talk. I'm a, you know, I'm licensed in the state of Florida, so I'm going to talk sure. from a Florida standpoint. Other states have different rules. Florida seemed to be a little bit more strict than, than most every other uh, state, but a couple of reasons you want to avoid probate. One, you have to, you know, you're going to have attorney's fees and costs, and the attorney's fees and costs can be substantial in a probate. Some, I always say you earmark about 3% of the entire estate, right? Send your kids to college. Don't send my kids to college. Um, so that's that's number one. Number two, they can it can take a significant period of time. You know, a probate on average in Florida can last between about nine months to a year on up. You know, that's that's a long time for a family that's trying to heal from a lost loved one and now they're dealing with filing paperwork and all these kind of things. A probate is kind of like a, a mini lawsuit per se. It's a, a court-driven proceeding. So that's a lot of work. And then furthermore, probate's public, right? So everybody sees who the beneficiary are and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, there's a lot of, um, I'm going to use a technical term, um, skeezy guys out there and, and, and gals, you know, that, that are preying on these people that inherit, you know, homes or other things. And they can, they just go get the paper and they go read who's, who's got a probate estate and who doesn't. And they contact these people and some people uh, get latched onto a, a trust can avoid all those prying eyes. Absolutely. So obviously, probate, we talk, you talked about probate being public, probate being time-consuming, probate being expensive. What are some of the vehicles that you're using to avoid that? Well, the, the, the best vehicle, at least in the state of Florida, is the, um, and I'm talking below the estate tax limit, right? The estate tax limit is $11.7 million. If you're above it, you're very successful. That's great. That's a whole different conversation that's way longer than we have time for today. But assuming that the estate tax isn't the issue, um, what, what you're trying to do is you're setting up the living trust and I analogize it like an empty box and you're placing assets into that box either ahead of time or pay on death into the box, such as like a life insurance, you know, you name your trust. And then that is able to transfer the assets to the beneficiaries free of probate. So you don't have those prying eyes. There's some stuff that, you know, we can, you know, we file notice of trust and things that a trust exists, but that's all it is. It just says a trust exists, who it is, what it is. It's very private. Um, so you're able to get those things transferred out to the beneficiaries free of probate. Pretty simple procedure. It's significantly faster. And when it's significantly faster, that means there's less lawyer intervention. If there's less lawyer time and intervention, it's significantly cheaper. For the majority of our listeners are business owners and entrepreneurs. Why is the state planning so important for them? That's a good, that's a, that's a good uh, point as well. So if you own a business, you probably own a business yourself, right? If you're not there, nobody's there has the ability to run your business right so they can't file payroll they can't open the door turn the lights on everything your business can disappear overnight um, i use an example um, let's just take a hypothetical question like let's say like the business owner is a chiropractor right and he owns a successful business and he's the only person in there he's the only person licensed to run the business he's got some employees maybe working up front uh, things of that nature but he's the only one doing the adjustments he's the only one he's got his name on the door and let's say heaven forbid he passed away you know, had a heart attack in the shower. There's nobody there to run that office. Now, if he had placed his, signed his interest in that business, either to a trust or something of that nature, somebody could come in the next day. They could hire a new chiropractor to come take care of those patients. They could uh, sell the business. Um, but if he's not there and you have to file a probate, it takes a minute to get a probate off the ground. You know, to, you file everything with the court and then the court's got to enter the order. So there's a lot of people filing a lot of probates every single day. And it's usually one judge for one county, there's millions of people. Um, in the meantime, we're in this example, where does the, the people in a chiropractic office, where does these patients go? They go to another chiropractor, they're hurt, they need help immediately. They might feel bad for their doctor, they may have loved their doctor, but they don't have time to wait around for hoping that some other doctor that they may feel the same way about gets hired in, in a timely fashion. 
So when you're able to assign these, these businesses or assign these assets to a trust, the trustee can take over basically the next day and sell the business, bring somebody else in, and then that asset doesn't deplete. So in my example, that individual, if he had a family or, or beneficiaries, that business would probably be worth the value of tables and chairs overnight, you know, in, in a short period of time than if it had a, a large book of business that was successful business like he was running it or her was running it, she was running it. What are some of the ways we can protect ourselves from that happening specifically on the business front? You talked about assigning an interest to a trust. Can you go into it? I know we're talking Florida specific in your example. Can we talk a little bit about some more about that idea and some of the strategies that go into that plant, that advanced planning? Again, assuming we're below the estate tax limit, right? If your business is worth over 11, you know, 11.7, you're in that state tax limit. And that's what the estate tax limit is today. They change that number all the time. It's, you know, it's set by, you know, federal law. That number will change probably before we're done recording this this uh, podcast here. Um, but assuming you're below that number, what, we, what you know, most practitioners do, they'll do an assignment. And what that assignment says is I transfer my interest, whatever that is, 1%, 100%, somewhere in between, to the trust. And that means it's an asset of the trust. And that means when the trustee takes over, the trustee is the backup person in charge after you're gone, they're able to handle that asset however they see fit, right? And when I say see how they see fit, it's not like they willy-nilly do it. They got to, you know, do what a prudent investor, what a prudent trustee would do. And usually that's going to be bringing somebody to run the business or sell the business for fair market value. So somebody's there to, to use that. And it's either turns into cash and it's available for the beneficiaries or they bring in you know, somebody else to run the business and, you know, the distributions and everything else that most business owners are accustomed to would continue. That makes a lot of sense for our folks who are, who want to learn more about this process. Where, where do they start? What is the first step that you would tell a prospective client of yours to take? Well, I would say talk to the, talk to their, their estate planning attorney. And you want to talk to somebody that practices state, estate planning, right? There's, I don't want to pick on attorneys, but there's some attorneys, right? You'll you'll meet your your bankruptcy or or your criminal defense attorney and they say, "Oh, I can write a will." Well, the same reason I don't go into criminal court, the same reason that you might not want them to write a will. You want somebody that focuses a large percentage of their practice on it. So, I always tell people, you know, start with either your CPA or your business attorney. They probably have good connections on good estate planning attorneys, and they can get you in contact with somebody that's in your locale, right? Obviously, the, the laws in Florida are different than they are in Texas and California. So you want somebody that's a specialist in this area of law in your state. Um, I, I think that that's the best place to start. Beware of what you read on Google and, and, and online stuff, because you might be reading something from a different state. You might be reading something from somebody who heard something from their cousin at, at you know, a diner, and they think that that's, you know, sage legal advice, and it may not be. Um, I always say you want to make sure you sit down with an attorney that that does this day in and day out and, and tell them your situation and let them evaluate what's the best avenue to set up for your, your, your family, your business, your, your home. Who's an ideal client for you? Um, anybody that's looking to take care of their, uh, you know, their, their future, right? A hundred percent of my clients are at some point are going to pass away. I hope it's a hundred years from now, but hundred percent of people are going to need their estate planning at some point. And in the meantime, things happen, right? People, people get hurt. People get sick. Uh, so you need to have these things in place ahead of time. If you don't, your only avenue is for your family to file an action, um, a guardianship um, in the court of law to, to take over your affairs. And I mean, everybody's seen the, the, what's going on with Britney Spears, and I'm not here to comment whether that's 
that fair or not, or I, I don't know enough about the case to whether the judge is doing a good job or bad job or attorneys are doing a good job or bad job or, or what. But that's a situation that could happen if you don't have your estate planning set up. Because at least in Florida, one of the first questions the judge is going to ask is, is there a least restrictive means to do what we need to do? And if somebody can say, hey, I have a valid power of attorney that so-and-so executed two years ago, naming their their son, their daughter, their, their whoever to be in charge, the judge is going to say, okay, well, let's let's go with that, you know. Um, and that's what I think most people want to have. They don't want a, a court of law to kind of say, hey, this is this is what's happening. This is what we're going to do. Absolutely. If you don't have a plan, the court, the state may have one for you. You may not like it the same. Um, how do clients find you? Um, Google, uh, word of mouth. You know, people go on the website, send me an email, and uh, we'll set up a time to talk, and we can see if we can uh, work something out that'll be able to help their family and, and take a look at everybody's situation and see what's the what's the best plan for them. You know, sometimes it's a trust, sometimes it's a will, sometimes it's a combination of it. Some people are business owners, some people's you know are, are, are you know an elderly couple that's uh, in their eighties and and uh, live on fixed income. So there's a lot of different moving targets. Um, but we're able to try to get something that works best for them. Not one box fits every pair of shoes. Absolutely. When you're not practicing law, what do you like to do for fun? I got two kids. I got young kids at home. So we go to Disney World. We play baseball in the backyard, uh, things of that nature. So we do a lot of uh, family time and uh, stuff like that. Yep. I have three myself. For our viewers and our listeners who want to learn more about you specifically, where is the best place for them to go to learn more about Chase? Okay. Yep. Uh, reach me at my website, chaseweltlaw.com. You can uh, send me an email at chase at chaseweltlaw.com. Um, find me on Facebook at chaseweltlaw. Um, any of those places, feel free to send a message and I'll be more than happy to uh, reply to you and see what we can do. See if I can All help right. your family out. Awesome. This has been Seth Green with Chase Welt of chaseweltlaw.com. Chase, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks everybody for watching or listening. We'll see you or talk to you next time. Do you need money to fund your idea, product, or service? Are you ready to take your business to the next level but need capital to get it done? Kevin Harrington has heard more than 50,000 pitches and knows how to help you make the perfect pitch to get the funding for your entrepreneurial dream. He's distilled the process down in his perfect pitch cheat sheet, and it's yours for free. Just text PITCH to him right now at 727-888-2100. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free perfect pitch cheat sheet. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 to start funding your dream today. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.